Renee Lick is up here with me this morning. Renee is one of the leaders uh, of our prayer ministry. And so because I'm speaking today about prayer, I asked if she would be willing to contribute with me. So she and I have spent close to a month collaborating on this sermon, spending time talking and listening together about what God might have for us as a church as we come to, bye-bye Bryce, as we come to this topic of prayer. Prayer is a topic that is complicated. Prayer is confusing. Prayer is one of those subjects that for some of us can bring up different baggage, different memories. Um, Some of you love to pray, but my experience, some of you love to pray, but in my experience, that's a minority of us. Uh, The majority of us, prayer is something that we maybe should do, but it gets a little fuzzy after that. So I'm hopeful that today will be an opportunity for prayer to become something that's just more vital to us as Christians. We're in a sermon series right now where we're looking at what it means to be the people of God. And we've taken for our reference uh, Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 10. Uh, And we've heard this every week. Peter says, once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Peter is showing that in Jesus, we are a new community, a new family, a new people together. And so there's things that we can expect to be different about our lives because we belong to this new community, this new family, this new people. But Peter also points out that once you were not a people, in other words, being the people of God is not natural to us. It's not necessarily normal to us. And so we're taking some time before we make this move to Kennecott to remind ourselves some of the key values, some of the key attributes of what it means to live as the people of God. So today we're going to be looking at prayer. Our text today comes from Ephesians chapter 3 verses 14 through 21. Would you please stand as we read this? Ephesians chapter 3 verses 14 through 21. The passage is on the screen. I'm going to invite you to please read this out loud with me. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of God. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would teach us now, that you would open our hearts and our minds to your word for us. We thank you for your word. Help us to hear what you want us to hear today to respond as you would have us respond. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And you can be seated. As Renee and I were talking about this sermon, it was difficult for us to even know how to begin talking about prayer. Prayer is one of those subjects that if we took a poll, we could probably this morning come up with a hundred at least different ways of talking about prayer. Just from the Bible, we could look at all kinds of different ways that the scriptures talk about prayer. There's many, many different ways that we can come at this. We have chosen just one this morning. We're going to try to keep it relatively simple. We want to talk today about prayer as our response to God's love. Prayer as our response to God's love. Hopefully everything we say this morning will fall underneath the umbrella of our response to God's love. Now, the passage that we read this morning came from the New Testament letter of Ephesians. Paul writes this letter to an early church in Ephesus. And if we had time to read the entire book, I think one of the things that you would notice relatively quickly is that Paul begins the book with prayer, he ends the book with prayer, 
And the book hinges in the middle on prayer. That's the passage that we read this morning. This is a book that is shot through with prayer front to back. And so it's an appropriate letter for us to look at this morning. But you would also notice, I think, if we read through all of Ephesians today, that Paul is not trying to convince us to pray. He's not trying to tell us, you really should pray. You don't pray enough. You need to pray. We don't hear this from Paul. We also don't see Paul saying, this is how you should pray. Here's the five things you should know. Here's the three steps. Here's the manual for how... He doesn't do this either. This is a book about prayer. We watch and listen to Paul pray, but it's not a how-to manual, and neither is it a should, an ought, a guilt trip. Paul's focus is on our response to God's love. Paul is not particularly interested in this book about prayer making our lives better, about us getting what we want if we pray the right way. Paul, if you don't know, in this letter, he's in prison. Paul is probably not getting what he wants at this moment. There's probably somewhere that Paul would rather be. But what we do see in this letter is a person who is so completely convinced of God's love for him that he cannot help himself. He has to pray. He has to communicate with God. Now, how do we know, or excuse me, how does Paul know this love? How does Paul know God's love for him? Well, earlier in the letter, he expresses what God has done and what has convinced Paul of this love. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, Paul writes this, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. This is what Paul is remembering. This is what Paul is thinking about as he considers God's love. Again, God's love isn't expressed necessarily by making our lives better, by fixing all of our problems according to our timeline, or resolving all of our issues as we would want them to be resolved. Instead, God's love is expressed in that Jesus rescues us from death into life. This is the love that Paul is referring to. A move from death into life. Not only does God rescue us from our own self-centered selves, from an unjust world, from sin, evil, and death. God doesn't simply rescue us. Paul says he makes us alive. He breathes new life into us. We are now living, breathing participants in God's mission, his beautiful mission of redemption in the world. This is what Paul is thinking about when he's thinking about the love of God. Not just something that God did to rescue Paul, but new life that he has now in Jesus. And this is very important for us this morning. There is nothing abstract about God's love. I want you to hear that. There is nothing abstract about God's love. One of the dangers that Renee and I face this morning as we talk about love is that uh, we could say a whole lot of words and not actually say anything. We could talk about love all day long and yet not really say anything. Our experience, many of us, with love is with a rather subjective thing. We mean different things when we say it, when we talk about it. I have heard recently uh, somebody I know say, I forgot how good it feels to be in love. It's a person who is dating somebody for the first time in a long time. And this person is saying, I forgot the feeling. I forgot how great it is to be in love. And I get that. 
But I think most of us this morning would agree that that the thing that that person is feeling is probably not the sum and total of love. It's a particular feeling at a particular time. For many of us, when we talk about love, we end up talking more about the feeling than the object of our love. We talk about something that we experience rather than that which would give us that experience. And so we can talk about being in love in this very abstract way in which the person who's making us feel that way is almost dispensable. You could almost trade this person for somebody else as long as I still had that same feeling of being in love. So this is one of the dangers that we face this morning is this abstract notion of love. But with God, love is never abstract. It is always personal. Personal. This is an important word for us this morning. God's love is personal. And I, I want to do a quick parenthetical thing right here and say that I know for some of you when, you, when you hear this word personal attached to God, you automatically start shutting down. Some of us grew up in church environments where a personal relationship with God was said over and over and over again until it had no meaning left to it. And if I could just invite you to not tune out today, to set aside some of that for a moment and to hear again what it means to be loved by a personal God. When Paul recounts what Jesus accomplished for us, he is remembering a a very historic event, a flesh and blood event, the Son of God going to the cross for us. And yet this love, this personal love, it's not just an act of history It's something that Paul is experiencing in the present tense. And so in verse 16, Paul writes, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I'm guessing that we could read that a hundred times this morning and most of us would still have no idea what Paul is talking about. Paul has this way of kind of using these sentences where you think you know what he's saying, and then he goes over here, and then he goes over here, and by the end of it, you're like, I don't even, I don't, there's something about love. I'm not going to try to unpack all of this. This would take us a long time, but here's what I think we see Paul doing. Paul is searching for every way he knows how, using every word, every image, every metaphor, every concept that he can reach for to help us understand our new life in Christ. And so in other of Paul's letters, we hear him say this in 2 Corinthians, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. Earlier in this letter of Ephesians, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In the letter to the church in Colossae, in Christ you have been brought to fullness. Paul searching for every way he can to show that this personal love of God wasn't just an event that happened in the past, but that we are somehow now caught up in Christ Jesus. That God's love for us is expressed even now in the present tense. And so he goes on in verse 17. He says, and I pray that you being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Paul is saying we are somehow caught up in Christ. We are adopted into Christ. Our lives are hidden in Christ. And it is through this passing from death to life that we know every day the love, the love, the love of our God. Rescuing, yes, from ourselves, from our past, from our sin, but rescuing us into the very love of God. This is the personal, relational love of God. And this is what we are responding to when you and I pray. This is what we are invited to respond to when we pray. 
We are invited to respond to the love of God that is immediate, that is personal, that has not simply changed our lives, but has given us new life. We are responding to a love that is so immense that we will always struggle with the mystery of it. Searching for language, for words to describe a reality and a relationship that has absolutely no precedent for us. This is what we are invited to respond to in prayer. And before I hand it off to Renee for a second, one of my favorite theologians, a man named Eugene Peterson, he says, when we begin to understand prayer in this way, that we are praying in response to the love of this God, he says, we will realize that we pray in a household of extravagance. We pray in a household of extravagance, not out of a place of scarcity, out of necessity, not begging God, not coming to God out of guilt or duty, but praying in a household of extravagance, an extravagant God who has and does love us extravagantly. This is how and why we pray. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. Um, It's fun to be able to do this um, together because as we were talking about prayer being a conversation, we thought, how fun to actually have, be able to model that for you. So we're talking with you. We're going to have time at the end of the sermon to actually pray together. And then hopefully we're modeling a conversation um, between Pastor David and I this morning, too. Um, So I wanted to say that, you know, David just said some really great things, right, about God's love for us and what that looks like and why we should respond then in prayer um, to God's love for us. And yet we all know that prayer is still hard, right? And so I think it's fun that I get to be the devil's advocate in some ways and say, okay, well, I need to know why. Why, um, Why should we still do this? And I know that for us, it's really easy to talk about prayer. We can read books on prayer. We can have discussions about prayer, but we might actually not get to praying. Um, So I have two jobs. One is in ministry and one is in nursing. And I know in nursing that I can, somebody can know all the right things to do, right? You can know how many vegetables you should eat per day, how many minutes you should exercise, but there's something between knowing and actually carrying that out. So you have to be motivated. There has to be something in your life that says, I'm actually going to do this. You might know it for a long time, but actually doing it is different. Um, so it's not a perfect analogy, but I think that as we move from not just the knowledge of God's love and the knowledge of what prayer is to what could that actually look like in my life? How could that actually be something that's a part of my daily life, of um, every moment passing through the day? How can prayer be incorporated um, into my life and not this thing that's just set apart where I'm locked in a closet somewhere, right? Um, And we also know that we can feel guilty about not praying. And so that's not something that we want to be doing this morning. We want to instead just invite you um, to look at prayer differently. And also we want to address some of the reasons why we know that we don't pray. And so we're going to be pretty direct and hitting those right on. So David's going to start us off with one. You're going to hear more from Renee than just that, I promise. This is not... So the first first thing that we thought of, why uh, why praying is hard, is challenging, despite what we maybe know about prayer, beside maybe this beautiful vision of what prayer actually could be, this response to this God of love. The first thing that we thought of was our individualism, that we're formed as very individualistic people in the world in which we live. And so how does that affect uh, how how we pray? Well, praying in response to God's love requires community. It requires a community that has known God's love. The reality is that you and I don't always feel, experience God's love in the way that maybe we believe is actually true. And so for a, for, for a person to respond to the love of God means belonging to a community that is uh, committed to knowing God's love. And so our kind of hyper-individualism can hinder our ability to pray because it's difficult for many of us to give weight to the experience of the community. It's our lives that matter the most. It's what I'm thinking or feeling in this moment that matters the most. And yet, it requires a community that is seeking to know the love of God to invite us into uh, responding to God's love in this way. This is similar to what Pastor Michael preached about last week, so I hear I wasn't here. 
about lament. It, it, it takes a community of people together to rightly grieve, to rightly lament together. This is something that's very challenging to do as individuals. So this is the first thing that's a challenge for us. And the second thing we want to look at is having a predetermined timeline. So I want you to actually raise your hand if you had a picture in your mind, maybe like 15 years ago, about what your life would look like at this point. Okay, so we all do this, right? So what does it look like then to pray when we feel like the things that we expected to happen are not happening um, in our lives? I had a really good friend um, from college who um, a few years ago had a miscarriage. And this was really um, devastating to her and her husband, and it was their first pregnancy. And three weeks later, she had to host a baby shower um, for another friend. And she's just thinking, this isn't right. Like, I was supposed to be the one having a shower, and instead, I'm giving it to somebody else, and yet I'm feeling so much grief in this time. And so she was asking those questions of, God, why is this happening not in the way that I expected it to happen? Why, um, yeah, why isn't it happening in the happy way that I expected it to happen? Um, you may be in a place where um, you didn't get into the, the school or the program that you expected, and that was your only plan, right? You didn't have a plan B, and so you're saying, God, I don't understand. Like, I had this all figured out. Like, I took the time to ask wise mentors what I should do, and this was the plan that I had set. Um, I know that as I thought about what I pictured my life to look like 15 years ago, it was not at all the way that it is now. But I also, um, I see that God is at work um, even in the midst of that. And we're going to talk about some more of those things later as well. But just knowing that we have this predetermined timeline in our minds often of what we expect things to turn out like. So again, hindrances to our ability to respond to God's love and prayer. First one would be individualism. Second one, our predetermined timeline. A third one would be the power of our immediate circumstances. This is, this is my observation, this is my own experience, that whatever's happening for me in the moment, for you in the moment, that is what is most important to us. Another way of saying this would be to say we forget very easily. And so we can have an, an encounter with God. God could provide for us in a, in, a, in, a, in a magnificent way. God could answer a prayer of our own or somebody who we are in community with, and we can be amazed by that. That can all of a sudden matter. But then the, the circumstances shift. Things are bad all of a sudden or dry or tiring. And all of a sudden... We forget. Do you know what I'm talking about? We, we are a people who give incredible, incredible weight to our immediate circumstances. The fourth thing that we thought of was the role of doubt in our lives. Uh, many of us have a, a, a view of our Christian faith as, uh, kind of for lack of a better phrase, as a system of belief, right? So we think about our faith as a, as a system, right? We believe these certain things, and that's what makes us Christians. That's what exemplifies our faith. And so what happens then is when any part of that system is called into question, or we feel confused about, or we doubt, then all of a sudden the entire system is suspect, right? You can imagine maybe a Jenga tower, right? Where if you pull out the wrong thing, the whole Maybe I'm the only one who's played that game. Okay. Okay, a couple of you. Okay. Or a house of cards. You pull out that card and the whole house comes collapsing down. This is, for many of us, this is our experience of faith. And so when it comes to prayer, if we find ourselves in a place where we have a little bit of doubt in one area or a question in one area, we think that that's strange, that that's odd, that that's somehow not Christian. And so we don't want to be praying. The other thing that I know about you is that we are a people who hate hypocrisy. We hate inauthenticity. We want people to be real, be authentic. And so we struggle if we have a a doubt in some area of our faith. Well, I don't want to be inauthentic. I don't want to be a hypocrite. So instead of engaging in prayer, we pull back. And then the fifth thing we wanted to look at was just the challenge of being in a diverse community. Um, I grew up in a German Lutheran church, and um, Germans are not exactly known for their exuberance, right? So we didn't have these, like, loud prayers with lots of emotion. We had prayers that were usually written down or that we had memorized. Um, I think it wasn't until college until I heard somebody actually just pray what I would call on the fly, right? Not having it planned out ahead of time, and that was a huge stretch for me. Um, We also have experiences that are different in this church of how God speaks to us, um, how we pray, how we pray together. 
Um, and I think these can be challenges for us, um, being in a diverse community. I know that I have friends here um, who have been to other churches um, growing up where only the person in charge or the pastor or the leaders prayed. And so when we prayed in our community group for the first time, that was a real stretch for her to pray, to know that she could also pray. It wasn't just those whose job was in ministry or who were called to be pastors that could be the ones praying. Um, but also we realize that there's a lot um, that we can learn um, by being in a diverse community with people that speak to God differently and hear from God differently than we do. Um, I was in Nigeria in 2008 when um, there was a bombing that happened in India. And I was with a group of international Christian nurses. And so one evening we spent some time um, to pray for the country of India and those that had been affected by the bombing. And um, everybody started praying at the same time and in different languages. And I was just like, this is not organized at all. This is very chaotic. Um, I can't tell how long it's going to last. Um, who's going to stop it at the end? There wasn't like somebody appointed to like open and close. Um, you know, but at the same time, I realized, wow, you know, God can hear all of these dozens of prayers at the same time. Um, he doesn't have to have things in order. I'm the one who's thinking that they need to be in order. And I could join in in praying um, with just all these voices going up at one time. Um, and I've come to know that people have called that um, type of prayer one voice. And it was beautiful in its own way, but it was very stretching for me at that moment. But I learned a lot um, through the experience, too. And so um, as we pray together then, we see that some of these things that we've mentioned, the hindrances to our praying, um, are actually addressed. So this morning we wanted to talk about um, praying in community. And so as we know we want to be um, praying on our own as well, we want to look at specifically what does it mean to pray together, to pray with one another. And we see that we are actually, um, we are formed more as God's people as we come before him together in prayer. Um, we see that throughout Scripture, um, the people of God have always prayed together. So we see that back in the Old Testament, in the Psalms, they're amazing um, words of prayer. We see in the book of Acts, as the early church prayed, um, one of my favorites was um, in Acts 12, when the people are praying and Peter's in prison, and they're praying for him um, to be released or for God to be with them. And then he actually is released in a very miraculous way. And when he shows up at their door, they slam the door in his face because they can't believe that he's actually there. So, I mean, they were praying in faith and yet not really yet expecting God to show up and to actually respond to their prayer. Um, and we want to be um, looking at prayers more than something that we just mindlessly engage in, but it has the potential to really form us into people that live in response to God's love. So what does this look like? I love to answer, ask these kinds of questions all the time. What does it look like to really live that out? What does that look like in our own lives? And so as we look at the things that we addressed earlier, the first um, being individualism, we see that as we address individualism, that's um, looked at differently than when we come together. And so we're brought out of ourselves. We have to see beyond just our own places when we're praying with one another. We're able to share in the joys and in the heartaches and the disappointments and in the times of celebration with one another. And we're able to bring those things together before God. I know that um, for myself, this is not easy. I used to be, um, a few years ago, in a small group Bible study where everybody had these really intense prayer requests, right, that involved death or, like, somebody near death or just extreme things, right? And I didn't have any extreme prayer requests. And so I would often not share anything because I just felt like my request for, you know, good weather on my picnic day or whatever it was was, like, not important enough, right? And everybody else had these really really intense prayer requests. But we see that if we're really going to deepen in our own journey with God and with one another, that we need to be able to share in things that are easy to share and in things that are hard to share. And so in the good times and in the more difficult times. Um, and I also know that I, I want to hear from my friends when things are going well and when things aren't going well. I want to be able to share in those times with them. And so that helped me to also see that they want the same from me, too. And so if somebody asks you how you're doing and you're not doing that well, it's okay to say, you know, it's actually, I'm not doing that well today. Um, and that that's okay. You don't have to put on some smiling face and say, everything's great because I'm in church today. Um, you can be real and be human. And the second thing we wanted to look at, again, was the, the predetermined timeline that we have for our lives. 
And I think that we're able to see God's faithfulness um, in our lives and we're able to see the testimonies of people around us. And so we might be able to look at somebody else's life and say, look at the way that God didn't answer their plan A, but their plan F was really great. And it might have been, you know, years and decades down the road. Um, But just seeing that we're able to look at things from somebody else's perspective. Um, We see, I read this book recently um, by Paul Miller. It's called A Praying Life. And he talks about um, the balance of asking boldly of God and yet at the same time surrendering. And so he says we need to be human. We need to be able to ask God for what we really want and yet at the same time trusting him um, in his timeline and his plan um, for our lives. And he uh, mentioned that Jesus' prayer at Gethsemane was just a really good example of this. And so we see Jesus knowing that he's going to be facing this suffering and facing death. Um, And so he says to the Father, Father, everything is possible for you. But would you please take this cup from me? He said, this is what I really want. This was coming out of his own humanness of saying, I don't want to go through this. This is going to really be hard. And yet at the same time he said, but Father, not what I will but what you will, would that be done? Um, And so we're invited, just like Jesus was, to come before our Father and say, this is what I want. This is what what my heart's longing for. This is what I feel that I really need. And yet at that same time, being able to hold our hands open before him and saying, I want to receive this from you, but if it's not the right time or if it's not what you have, that that's that's okay, and I'm going to find the strength from you to be able to accept that as well. Um, And I realize that that's not easy and that it might not even be in the same day that you can pray both of those things. It might be um, a long time separated, but knowing that God invites us to ask boldly um, and yet to also trust in him. Um, And then looking again at our um, immediate circumstances. So um, like I said earlier, there's there's days when it might not be easy for us to praise God, but when we're here in community, we can see that somebody else is able to praise. And so we're able to look outside of our own sphere of what's going on in our lives and join with others in community in that. And so we see beyond just our own current circumstances. And then as David already addressed doubt, we look and see that in corporate prayer, um, we don't have to hide or be ashamed that we doubt because we realize that other people are having those same questions and asking those same things of God. And whether or not we realize it, God can handle that, right? I mean, he already knows what's going on in our minds. He can handle us asking him those really tough questions. And in community, we realize that we're not the only ones um, that are asking those questions. In community, just like we heard about in Lament last week, um, we can see that it's okay to not have to rush out of that. If something's hard, we don't have to rush to make sure that we're feeling better the next day. We can be in that, and we can be in that together with one another. And also, um, as we're in diverse community, we can see that we can be challenged to live and to pray um, beyond what might be comfortable for us. And so to be stretched in that, and we're going to give you some time later on today um, to try that as well. Um, So realizing that there's many ways to respond to God, to God's love for us, and many ways to pray. And we see in Revelation 7, um, Jesus talks about every tribe and every tongue coming together and praising him and worshiping him. And as I read that, I decided that I would probably add that they prayed in many different styles, in many different volumes, and in many different movements. Um, And so just knowing that that's God's picture of what um, his people are going to look like in the end. And now David's going to talk a bit about how do we actually pray together. Okay, so our movement so far has been, this is sort of this vision for prayer, response to God's love, and then trying to be honest. There's some good, hard reasons why we actually don't pray. And then what Renee has tried to do is say, when we do pray together, some of those obstacles, some of those hindrances just start to go away. When we show up to community to pray together corporately in community, some of those things that keep us from praying are actually addressed and melt away. So how do we do this? How do we actually learn to pray together? Remember, once you were not a people, now you are a people. It's right that for many of us, prayer is not our first language, that we still struggle with it, that it still feels like learning to talk a different language. Has anybody done that, learned to speak a second language? Raise your hand. Did it just come real easily, real naturally, like you read a couple books and you were good to go? No. No. It's tough. And, and, and there's a sense that as we learn to speak this language of prayer, that it, it'll take a little bit. So how do, we actually, how do we actually do this? The first thing I want us to do is to acknowledge that the words, that the language that you and I are used to, it's not prayerful language. 
I would call it, actually Renee pointed this out, uh, cynical language. Where we, we, we come from a society, from a culture that is pretty cynical. Actually, I think Paul came out of a very similar uh, sort of culture. In, in, in verse 4 of chapter 5, he says, Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or co- coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. And one way to hear that verse is, okay, never say a bad word, don't ever cuss. I don't think that's what Paul is interested in here. He's saying there's a new way to talk now as Christian people. There's a new way. There's a new way that our language is shaped by who Christ is in us. Your language was once impersonal, cynical. It was interested in getting something from somebody else. It was transactional. Not anymore. Your words, your language is now relational. It's personal. It's vulnerable. Learning a new language of prayerful thanksgiving. This is what happens within relationships and community. So again, Eugene Peterson, he writes this. He says, uh, and I think we have this quote. While prayer is language at its most personal, it is also inherently interrelational. It is church language. The more intimately we are in relation to Christ, the more aware and relational we are with the body of Christ. When we pray, we are not self-enclosed. Prayer happens best in relationship, in community. It's what draws us out of ourselves, teaching us a new language, a new way to talk about what Christ has done for us, a personal, vulnerable, relational language. The best way to learn to pray together, to have our eyes opened to the love of God together, is simply to begin Praying together. Um, so very practically, here are some ideas. Okay. So we wanted to give you some um, really basic um, um, suggestions for what prayer could look like in our lives. And I want you to pull out um, this insert that you have in your bulletin that's yellow. Zach, can you go ahead and come back on up, please? Thanks. And these are just um, suggestions. And so um, knowing that our lives change, right, we can live with different people. We can discover that the routines that worked for us um, before we had a baby are not the same after we've had one. So spending um, time quietly um, praying on your own may not be a possibility anymore. And so knowing that that's okay um, and seeing that there's ways that you can um, try something new in your life with God. Um, so I wanted to just show you on the first, the first side that has the title Types of Prayer, um, looking at something like the third one down that says Praying Scripture. And so being able to take um, a psalm or taking a word um, from Matthew and saying, and praying it really slowly and saying, you know, God, I don't, might not have the words on my own to pray right now, but this actually really says what I want to say to you right now as well. Um, so that could be a practice that you could find um, really helpful in your own walk. Um, at the bottom there, it talks about prayer walking, and that's what we did yesterday as we walked around the three schools that our church um, has been charged with praying for. So we were able to walk um, with our eyes open and pray um, at the same time and to see the ways that God guided our prayers. Um, on the back, you can see um, looking at praying with one another, prayer partners, and also um, journaling prayers. So writing down your prayers, um, if that's helpful for you as well. And then David and I put some other resources at the end, too. Um, and so these are just some things that we're not saying you um, must do, but they're examples of things that if you are feeling like you want to try something new in life, um, in your prayer life, that they could be possible. And if, if you ever have any questions about any of these or you want to talk with me later on, definitely um, feel free to do that as well. So as Renee has mentioned, this will be a great resource in your community groups to actually look at this as, as a small group and say, how can we be praying in some of these ways? Um, here's, here's the second very practical thing that we would invite you to today. If the first one is kind of summed up in the sheet, the second one is just to join in in our church where prayer is already happening. There's already corporate community prayer happening in our church, in our community groups. Like I said, if you're not in one of those, please, please consider joining a community group. Every week when those groups gather, they pray together. Once a month, they set aside some extra time together to pray together. Uh, come early on Sunday morning at 1040. There's usually a couple of us in the, uh, what's that called? Teacher's lounge. We pray for about 10 minutes together for the life of our, of our church. 
uh, come uh, the next uh, first Saturday of the month as we walk around local schools and pray together. Um, Come early on a Sunday morning so you have time in the sanctuary to pray for what God is going to do here. Stay afterwards. I often will say, don't rush out. If you want to continue in worship and prayer, stay here. Grab somebody else who you want to pray with. During worship, if you need somebody to pray for you, we have a prayer team available. They would love to pray for you. When we celebrate the Lord's Supper later uh, uh, in our service, we always have prayer ministers that are up at the front who would love to pray for you. Some of you have very specific things. You're saying, I I need prayer in this area. Others of you, you come forward and you just say, I don't have anything specific. I just want to be prayed for. Take advantage of their gifts, of their presence in our church. Allow them uh, to pray for you. We have uh, the cross set up here on the floor. It's not just decoration. It's a reminder to us of what God has accomplished through Jesus. And it's it's a way to create kind of sacred space in this room for people to come forward to be at the cross, to pray at the cross, to ask somebody to pray near the cross uh, as as a reminder of who is in charge of our service uh, and our church. So in a minute, Renee's going to lead us in some small group prayer, and then I'm going to lead us into communion. Um, But again, let's just end where we started. We pray because God loves us. We pray because God didn't just love us one time in the past, but does love us now. We pray because God's love is not abstract. It's not theoretical. It's not subjective. God's love is personal. God's love is personal. Our lives have been caught up in Christ, and we could spend the rest of our lives trying to find just the right words to describe exactly what that means, and we'd always fall short. But something has changed when we said yes to Jesus, when we submitted our lives to Christ, our our old lives, our dead lives passed away into something new new creation, new life. And it is the love of God that sustains this, that holds this together. We were rescued not just from ourselves, but we were rescued into a new life where we participate in what God is doing in our world. So we don't just take the love of God. Our lives now exhibit and express the love of God everywhere we go. Sometimes by putting ketchup and mustard on hot dogs for hours and hours and hours at a time. Other times by coming alongside somebody and praying with them. By being faithful to the ministry that God has called you. By being faithful to the work that God has called you. By being faithful to the family that God has called you. It can be expressed in millions and millions of different ways. But we pray and we pray together because we have been loved by God. And our hope and our promise today is that we will more know that love. And more be able to express that love as we pray together responding to that love as we were praying with the um, worship team before the service today i realized that um, my prayer for this church is that we would actually see prayer as a gift Um, a gift that god's given us and that we can come before him um, with our requests with our praises with our thanksgiving and we can do that alongside um, one another and so i'm going to invite you right now to stand up And I'm going to have you gather into groups of about four or five. And if you haven't met the people around you, this is a time to briefly um, introduce yourself as well. Um, And knowing that we're going to be praying together, and this is a time that's going to be stretching for all of us. Um, If you have words to pray out loud, I'm going to guide us through this time. Um, Say those. If you want to just agree with the people around you and say amen, that's great too. Um, So do whatever is comfortable for you. But also I want to challenge you to to take a step out of what what might be... um, normal for you or what might be most comfortable for you. Um, You're going to see some prompts on the screen as well as I invite us into this time of prayer. But right now I want to ask you to get into your groups and then I'm going to lead us out um, in this time of prayer together. So find four or five people around you, maybe three to five. Yep, I did already. And we're going to be following today um, 
this way of, of praying together that's modeled for us in the Lord's Prayer. And in communion, before communion, we're going to pray the Lord's Prayer together. We're going to begin um, with prayers of adoration. And I'm going to open us by praying Psalm 100, and then I'll invite you for a couple of minutes to pray in your small groups. And this is just as a guide um, for you up on the screen as well. So join me as I pray Psalm 100. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. And I invite you to pray in your small groups prayers of adoration to our God. we praise you for who you are, that you reveal yourself to us, Lord, that you um, love us, Lord, in such amazing ways. Um, And Lord, now we enter um, into a time of confession. I'm going to lead us as we um, pray this prayer. Um, Just agree with me as I pray this prayer out loud. We confess to you, Lord, what we are. We are not the people that we like others to think we are, and we are not the people that we want to be. We are afraid to admit, often even to ourselves, what lies in the depths of our souls. But we don't want to hide our true selves from you, Lord. We believe that you know us as we are, and yet you still love us. Help us to not shrink from facing what keeps us from giving and receiving your abundant love for us. Lord, we ask that you would raise us out of the paralysis of guilt and fear. And would you guide us now as we silently bring before you um, our confessions, Lord. So join me just in a few moments here of silence as we confess to our Lord. Lord, we thank you for hearing our prayer. And Lord, now we ask that you would guide us as we pray out loud um, prayers of confession on behalf of our community. Um, And as you look at the screen, you can see um, some examples of ways that we can be praying during these next few moments. And so I invite you to pray um, in your small groups these prayers of confession, um, things that we um, know that we could be doing better and things that we want to ask God to lead and guide us in.
Lord, we ask that you would take us into the freedom of being a forgiven people. Would you give us the courage to put our trust in you? And for those who have had, found it difficult to find or to accept forgiveness for ourselves, Lord, we ask that you would break our bondage and set us free. Free to be your people who you've created us to be. So Lord, we thank you for your gift of forgiveness for us. Um, and now we are going to enter into a time of lifting up prayers of thanksgiving. So Lord, we thank you not only for who you are, um, how you reveal your love to us, Lord, but the ways that, um, that you have answered prayers for us, Lord, the ways that we can look back and see um, that you have been present all along. Lord, the ways that we have seen um, that you not only heard our cries, Lord, but you responded. And so would you, um, in your small groups now, pray out loud prayers of thanksgiving to our God. Lord, we thank you that you invite us to come before you and to ask boldly. Lord, you, we see time and time again that in Scripture you um, held up people who were persistent in prayer and who asked um, with courage and boldness. So, Lord, we ask that you would guide our prayers now as we bring before you um, supplications. So our requests for you, Lord, on behalf of us individually and also on behalf of us as a community. So, Lord, would you now hear our requests as we respond to your love for us um, and as we desire um, to participate in your mission, Lord, and what you are doing in the world. So now we, um, in our small groups, pray out loud these prayers of request to God. Lord, we are amazed that while we're here um, praying at the same time, that you um, hear every one of us, Lord, that you know the words that have been spoken out loud and the words that have been on our hearts. Lord, we thank you that you are a God who delights in hearing from your children. Lord, and that you give us um, the opportunity and the gift of prayer that we can come before you both on our own, Lord, and um, as your people. So, Lord, we just um, we thank you and we praise you for who you are. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Friends, this is the joyful feast of the people of God. Many will come from east and west, from north and south to sit at the table in the kingdom of God. This is our Lord's table. Our Savior invites those who trust him to share the feast he has prepared. According to Luke, when our risen Lord was at table with his disciples, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him. As we did a minute ago, I invite you now to make our confession of sin. Carla, do we have that to put on the screen? Let us pray this out loud together. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and 
walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us all our sins through Jesus Christ, strengthen us in all goodness, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep us in eternal life. Amen. Hear the words of our Lord Jesus Christ as they were delivered by the Apostle Paul. For I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body. This is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let us pray. O Lord of all, we offer our sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving to you, presenting to you from your creation this bread and this cup. Gracious God, we pray that you will send your Holy Spirit on these gifts, that they may be the sacrament of the body of Christ and the blood of the new covenant. Unite us to your Son in his death and resurrection, that we may be acceptable through him, being sanctified by the Holy Spirit. In the fullness of time, put all things in subjection under your Christ and bring us to that heavenly feast, where with all your saints we will be gathered in glory everlasting through Jesus Christ our Lord, the firstborn of all creation, the head of the church, and the author of our salvation. By him and with him and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. I invite you now to pray with me the Lord's Prayer. The words may be a little different, so you can follow along on the screen. Let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, may your name be held holy. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Is this not the bread that we break, a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body. For we all partake of the one loaf. Is this not the cup that we bless participation in the blood of Christ. These are the gifts of God for the people of God. Take them in remembrance that Christ died for you. Feed on them in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving. I'm going to invite our servers and prayer ministers to come forward now so that I can serve them. worship team is going to lead us in some worship now. Renee and myself are going to be available for prayer on either side. Please come forward for prayer. The cross, like I said, sets aside a sacred space. Uh, if you'd like to spend some time in quiet prayer. Um, there's also some gluten-free crackers up here if that is important for you. Um, but come when you're ready. Join us in worship. And remember that we are responding today in this very tangible, very physical way to the love of God.
Master Renee to come give the benediction here in just a second. Um, please stay afterwards for lunch, especially if you're a guest this morning. We'd love to feed you, get to know you uh, a little bit more. If you uh, know how to help us clean up the stage and can very quickly stick around and help us do that, uh, that would be uh, great as well. Thank you for worshiping with us today. Now receive this benediction from our God. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead, our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. So know that God is going before you, that you are his children, and that he is sending you out in his peace. Amen.